tonight? Questions, concerns, comments? Comments are for grown-ups. <laughs> All right, so um, we... So we stop. We talked last time about the first article of the Creed, and um, we kind of made a realization. The heavens above declare the glory of God. Um, a shadow of the law is written on all men's hearts. Is there natural revelation of, of God? Do you remember? Yes. Yes. I mean, you could just look to the stars and say, this is big. I don't think it happened by itself. This is big and I am small and there's probably something bigger than me out there. Whether you call that bigger thing than you alien life forms that are very advanced and will send saucers, whether you call that thing Odin, whether you call that thing Allah, whether you, whether you call that thing God, whether you call that thing Jesus, it's not specific yet. But it's easy to look to the stars and realize that we are very small and there's something else probably bigger than us out there. We can recognize that there is such a thing as, as big, even, even lowercase g God, um, Easily. Can you look to the stars and recognize the triune God? No. Um, the shadow of the law is written on all men's hearts. We have a conscience, although some of us have gotten pretty adept at, at murdering it, um, just by repetitive sin. In other words, I do something and I feel real bad, but instead of thinking about that, I lean into it and I do it more and more and more until I don't feel so bad about it anymore. And pretty soon, I'm doing even worse things. What? But still, you don't have to be a Christian to recognize that it's bad to take another life until you murder your conscience, right? Yeah. And so, when we want to talk about tougher issues, like, um, it started with a, a abortion not so much in recognizing the humanity, but in fact intentionally trying to hide the humanity and insisting this is nothing but a clump of cells, and so what we're doing is okay, and pretty soon that didn't bother us at all anymore. Now we can talk about the open slaughter of children anymore without an American conscience being offended by it anymore. Um, it happened slowly and gradually. The conscience can be murdered and can be rebuilt by exposure to God's word. But can just your, your conscience recognize the fullness of God's law? That is so cool. What is? What you just said. Oh, thanks. Um, can your conscience show you the fullness of God's law? No, I can recognize that it's bad to kill, but I, I might not necessarily recognize that it's good to help my enemies and love my enemies, like the Fifth Commandment actually calls me to do. Um, and so when we talk about the creed, when we talk about especially the first article of the creed, we recognize that if we want to start here, we're going to butt up into some problems. And honestly, this is a place where we really kind of have. If you want to ask just the average five people on the street, tell me how you find out about God. Where do you think they tend to go? Mm -hmm. A lot of times feelings, and they might not express it this way, they might even use the right vocabulary, but if you press them on it, it kind of turns into that. And so, well, the Bible, oh, so you believe everything the Bible says, and that is the revealed will of God. Oh, that's absolutely not God's word. No, that's not what I'm saying. We can't take this book literally. What I'm saying, though, is, is that um, when I, I probe in and I can find the, the will of God. Uh, oh, so when God says, for example, this and this and this are, are wrong, no, we, we don't want to do that. Well... And then pretty soon, well, if it's you who judges the scriptures to be true or false, you're God. That's, that's what it is. You are making yourself God. We might say the Bible is God's word, but then when we ask, so it's true, all of it, the world will start 
to backpedal, where we, of course, would say, well, of course it's true. I sometimes struggle with it. I sometimes really, really wrestle with it, just even in that my old Adam wants different things. But it is true. Where else might the world go? Sure. I mean, what are the gods of society? Um, that's, that's not a, a new thing either. Israel would settle down in foreign lands, and pretty soon they're worshiping their gods too. And they don't want to cast off their god, but they want to try and find a way to make them meld together. And so I'm sure we can find a way to worship Yahweh and Baal. We just sort of have to be non-specific. And so what are the gods of the media then? The gods of, of our society, this day and age. How about happiness? Yeah. Pleasure. Check. Money. Check. Those are, uh, those are, are not, again, new things, but um, these are the things, and, and we, we, we have wonderful ways of masking. So we say, God just wants you to be happy. What are the things that make you happy? And so clearly that must be, oh, again, what are we avoiding? The true word of God. There's this problem. Who is Jesus? There's no, no problem about figuring that out among society, is there? Is Jesus um, a prophet? Islam would say yes. Is Jesus a wise man? Even Jews would, by and large, say yes. Is Jesus a, a social organizer? Um, a, a social organizer, a political, a philosopher. Is Jesus God made man to bleed, die, and rise again? That doesn't come from anywhere but. There's this thing that we get when we bump into trying to work our way through the um, through the creed, starting at the first article, running into the second article, and um, we end up taking something for granted. Really, if you want to start to figure out the creed, you have to start with the third article. What's the third article? The I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In other words, if you want to figure out who God is, you're not going to find the fullness of God revealed to you in the sky. You're not going to find the fullness of God to you revealed in your imaginations of what Jesus is. For even to say, I believe in the Father and I believe in the Son, you're confessing the creed, which came to you from what? The Holy Christian and Apostolic Church, which came to you from the Holy Spirit. When we want to talk about God's will, we have to fall back on his word, which is given to us while these men spoke as they were carried along by the Spirit, which is our epistle reading this past Sunday. Um, if we want to find God today, we have to start with the third article of the creed or things get really, really messy, really, really fast. And we have no real common ground to talk. And that's one of the biggest problems. When we, when we sit down to try and figure theology, when we sit down and try and figure God with anyone, do we have, before we even try and come to the same definition of God, do we have the same definition of, of revelation? In other words, can we talk about how we find out who God is as if we're agreeing because we can't even agree on how to find out who God is. Well, the God of your heart is going to be different than the God of my heart, and that's going to be the different of the God of somebody else's scriptures, and that's going to be the God of uh, the, the difference but of, of somebody else's scriptures. Um, and the only way to do that is either completely ignore who God is so that we can get along, which is apparently the new path of, of Roman Catholicism, as we um, have a pope now who sat down and signed a joint declaration um, with an imam of, of, of the Muslim faith, saying... 
We've got some minor details, but same God. Well, they don't believe that Jesus died and rose again. In fact, um, the, the most widely accepted Hadith states that Jesus dressed Judas up just like himself and then ran away, and then it was Judas who was taken away to be crucified. Um, that's not what we believe. That's not our God. We have to start with the third article of the creed if we want to really properly understand the second, because how do you know who Jesus is? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the... Okay, start where the Holy Spirit works. If you want to say the creed at all, recognize that the creed itself isn't in the Bible, chapter and verse. Find me the Apostles' Creed, chapter and verse. But it's given to you through the church, which summarizes the fullness of Scripture. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because this is what my Scriptures teach. This is just a way that we have been taught to speak it together. And that's good. That's not bad. No, it's not. Let's go Galatians chapter 1, 6 to 8. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. It reads, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. If an angel showed up today and said, all religions lead to heaven. Well, then you know where it came from very quickly. And in fact, this is how we, we start to mark it, because an angel isn't defined as has wings and potentially a harp. An angel is a messenger of the Lord. That's what the word angel means, messenger. If you're not speaking the Lord's message, whatever you are, you're not the Lord's angel. Are you kind of with me on this? So in our, our Book of Concord, um, in our small called articles, um, this is kind of Luther's last will and testament. He thinks he's dying, and so he's just being a grumpy old man towards the Pope. This is, he thinks he's got to get it all on paper before he dies because he's worried what's going to happen next. In the small called articles, the, in the Book of Concord, the, the Lutheran rule book, the thing we all swear we believe, um, he writes, God does not want to deal with us in any other means than through the spoken word and the sacraments. Anything else is of the devil. God wants to deal through you through this preached word and sacraments. Anything else is of the devil. When we try and figure out who God is by the mark of society, we find the devil's hand at work. I'm not saying that they are literally the devil made flesh, but I'm saying you find his influence, you find another gospel, you find something that is accursed, namely damned. That's that's really only one thing at this point, right? When we want to measure even G, um, who Jesus is by our own heart, we'll recognize who our, our own heart um, belongs to until it is claimed by God. How is it claimed by God? But through baptism. God wants to deal with us through his spoken word and sacraments. Are you kind of with me on this? We learn about Jesus from where, then? Through the word and the... Well, we, we learn through the word in the church. 
the sacraments deliver it too, most certainly. Um, but but when we want to find out what baptism is, where do we turn to? Because we know we should baptize, but why should we baptize? We we go we go to the scriptures. We go to the teachings of of um, the Holy Christian and Apostolic Church. Again, not just a church that exists because Lutheran is more important than Christian. No. Lutheran is simply just a recognition. We mean it when we say apostolic. We want to go right back to what the apostles said. And anything that veered away from what the apostles have taught, I got a problem with. Because I want to have that apostolic faith. As in the same teachings of of the apostles. I, I want God's word to be true. So when we actually want to start to talk about this, um, a lot of times it actually is really helpful to start to look at the third article of the faith before we get to the second. I know we tackled the first first, and it's, it's easier to start there. But truly, um, if you start with who creator is apart from revelation in the Holy Scriptures given through the church, through adoption as his child in baptism, does God seem like a nice God or a mean God based on how much stuff you have? I know we're going to do this. I, I'm an optimist, and I'm going to be so much more grateful than I actually am in my heart of hearts. So you don't covet? Is that what you're saying? None of you covet? No? When I'm coveting, you know what I'm saying? God is not nice. Otherwise, he would have given me that stuff. We want to start there. It's hard to paint a good picture of God, and that's when I have all this stuff. Try it when I don't. When I'm suffering, when I'm sick. When I've lost everything due to calamity or storm, fire, flood, famine. When it's not raining and it's July. How do you know God is good? Third article. So let's start there. Are you kind of with me on that? So I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? Well, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. And in the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all believers um, from the dead. This is most certainly true. That's, that's our catechism, right? So, um, we got to start with the hardest part first. I believe that I cannot believe. Right? Why is that hard? Uh, let's, why is that hard? Certainly. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not like smart, smart, but I'm not. I haven't ever like gone viral for doing something stupid on the internet. <laughs> At least, I guess maybe. I don't. Huh? Why? Because I haven't got caught. Um, <laughs> because we think a lot of ourselves in our intellect. Why else is this hard to believe? We love to believe we're in control of ourselves. Right. Can I ask you a tricky question? Who has more problem with the idea that you believe 
you can't believe, the believer or the unbeliever? Who has a harder time saying, I didn't choose this? The people who don't believe it or the people who do? Correct. The only people who struggle with this are people who believe. Unbelievers have no problem with this. You know why? I chose not to believe. The only people who have a trouble, have a, a real problem with this are the ones who got in their car when it was cold and dark and icy and said, you know what? The best thing to do tonight, drive into this little church where it's cold and dark and icy. And listen to this weird dude. Y'all got, how many of you guys got satellite? Am I the best thing on right now? I didn't think so. That's why. I mean, honestly. It's, it's not just simply that we, we think a lot of ourselves. It's not simply that, that we, we, it's that we, we say, well, of course I love this stuff. And I'm choosing to love this stuff. And it's good that I did that, isn't it? We talked about this on Monday night, actually. Are we doing it in faith? Okay, so that's what we want to talk about. It's the how you get there. Because once you come to faith... Well, of course you live. Of course you choose this. Of course you, I mean, you pull your, along with this and you say, is it good or bad to learn about the Lord's word? So I'm going to come to Bible study. The question is, how did you get to think that it's good? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe. So we got to start here. Let's go 1 Corinthians 2.14. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14. We're going to do a handful of verses here. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Who are we talking about, the believer or the unbeliever? The unbeliever. The natural person is not able to understand the things of the Spirit, for they're spiritually discerned. If you want to understand spiritual things, you must first have the Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Again, what's a prerequisite for a confession of faith? The Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 2.1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Do dead people make decisions? Do dead people help out? What does dead weight mean? Why is it that she's so light when she wants to go somewhere, but she's so heavy when she has to get carried to bed? That's the difference. Uh, Romans 8.7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, so with these as, as, with these as, as, as the scriptures laid before us, why is it so much harder to think that we chose to believe than that we were brought apart from our own efforts? What does old Adam like to do with his sin, even among the believers? We like to hang on to it, but what do we do with it when we hang on to it? 
Yeah, we bury it. We make excuses for it. We self-justify. When you mix that together with this, it's sort of easy to kind of come to those conclusions. So here's the thing, though. I like Ephesians for this. It really is just one of the most clear-cut. Um, and the thing is, I don't believe that Paul is using language on accident. We talked about this when we studied the book. When he says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, and you had to be made alive in Christ Jesus. Do you think he's just grabbing words out of the ether? Or do you think the Spirit revealed to him, dead means dead? Right. So this is why we start here. If we actually want to start to come to any understanding of who God is, we must go to where the Spirit is revealing these things. If you want to start to understand who Jesus is, can you do this apart from the church? This is the real question in American Christianity today. Like, this is the, the one real thing that, that seems to be underneath everything that we, we bicker about. Can you know Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the Holy Church? No. You can come up with, you can use the name, most certainly. But where the Holy Spirit is, and he's gathering believers, do you know what that's called? Well, that's called the church. And you know what the church does? It goes to where Jesus is promised to be, which is found in the sacraments. Um, where we're not trying to say you can't read a Bible. But what we're trying to say is the Bible actually talks about a gathering. The Bible actually talks about a sacrament, a God who's present now for you and wasn't just active 2,000 years ago and jumped ship. And so if we want to start to come to terms with where God is today, we got to go where he's promised to be. Are you kind of with me? So when we talk about the third article of the creed then, um, in the same way that we did the first and, and the second, in, in other words, you know who God is based on what he does. So I believe in God the Father Almighty. And what does the Father Almighty do? He makes heaven and earth. And I, I believe in Jesus. But what does Jesus do? Well, he's conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. That means then, when we bring up the third article of the church, this is not just the drawer you have in your kitchen where you have like flashlights with no batteries and just all the other odds and ends. You know they're, they're worth hanging on to, but they don't fit anywhere. So I got one of those too. Don't, don't blush. Um, flashlights with no batteries, tape. What else is in that stupid drawer? Batteries. Why are the batteries in there, but the flashlights with no batteries are also in there? You think we could probably do something about that? Uh, oh, okay. Um, we have this junk drawer, and so we figure that's what this is. Everybody has a junk drawer. You know why? Because everybody has a bunch of stuff. We know how we know we know that it matters. We just don't know how it fits together. We don't know where to put it organized organizationally, right? And so let's just you know, fine, it's all in there. Um, we don't mean to do this with the third article of the creed, but so often we do. I thought it was for years until somebody actually sat me down and said, "This isn't just the leftovers." Because, especially in the Lutheran Church, we're accused of this, that, uh, that we have no Holy Spirit in our church. Um, well, what we're talking about is where do you find the Holy Spirit? What is he doing? Well, he's in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Namely, the Holy Spirit sanctifies. What's sanctify mean, though? Make holy. Um, Hebrews 10.10. 10. Hebrews, yeah, Hebrews 10.10. 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How do you get sanctified? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Good. 
Yeah, you're made holy by God, by the offering of Jesus given for you. So how do you get to the cross? Because that's where the offering was, right? Once for all. How do you get to Jesus? That's, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Right. We have to go to where the Holy Spirit is working to bring us Jesus. That's, that's why we start with the third article. Um, if we really want to start to get our heads around how God is working today. Because here's the thing. I can talk about the cross, and that's great, and that's good. But if I can't get to it, it's problematic. And we, we have this thing, and, and so we try very, very hard to convince ourselves that we feel him when we don't. Um, we, we've made a lot of songs after it. Um, it's called mysticism. Mysticism is, is trying to measure God internally by your emotion, by how much you feel, or by how much you know, or, or, or sort of like saying that, well, if God is spirit, then in my spirit or my consciousness or, or any of that, I can bind with him through somehow thinking my way there, feeling my way there, harding my way there. It gets weird. Kind of like osmosis. Um, or to sing the old song, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. Do you think that? Do you, do you think Jesus is still not at the right hand of the Father? That's where he's at. So how do I find him? Do you hear voices? How do you know that, you're, how do you, know that you belong to God? We have to go to where we're actually made heirs of God. We have to go to where the Holy Spirit is working. And that's, that's not internally. In fact, that's externally. Mysticism is trying to internalize the faith. Um, but but that, that gets dangerous very, very quickly. Not only because, I, I mean, I, I try to meditate, but I end up thinking about food. Because this is, this is who I am. Um, I, I try to meditate, but I, I think then I can convince myself that anything is right if you give me enough time, right? So that's why all the arguments you lost in person, you win two days later in the shower. I'm just saying. When we try and relate to God solely through this, well, repentance never really comes up. The idea that I should actually feel guilt or shame and cling to Christ and his atoning sacrifice where it is delivered for me. I just sort of tune it out, go around, try and make up for it by meditating harder. Mysticism is dangerous because it never actually gives you the fullness of God. It just sort of gives you a chance at chasing a feeling, but sometimes you won't be able to find it. If it's sanctifying, though, it's the all-atoning, one-time sacrifice of the Son of God. How do you get to the cross? Because you can't feel your way there. Were you there? Were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? How it causes me to tremble. Were you there? I wasn't. How? Really? How old are you? <laughs> if you want to get to that cross, you have to be where that cross is brought forward through time. Because I missed the show in Jerusalem. But I came Sunday, and it was put there for me to eat and drink. And that's an important distinction. Um, if we want to, to talk about sanctification, we have to start where Christ is given to us. Jesus 
is put in this place in word and sacrament, and we are called, gathered, enlightened, and made holy here. God calls us and gathers us in, and here gives us that Jesus. And, and in a way that we don't have to sort of say, well, I feel it, but I don't, but I know, but I still feel it, but I don't, but I know. When I ask you those questions, and you want to get defensive about it, what does that mean? Because that's the faith that you're supposed to sing about. And if you can't answer a yes or no question about it, it gets tricky. Were you there? I'm baptized. Does he walk with me and talk? I ate and drank his body and blood. I can say certain things for sure. And I can say certain things which sound nice and I wish might be true. But I have trouble coming to the comfort with, the certainty with. And so when we talk about sanctification, we have to start where God is first working. Otherwise, we would never be made holy. How did God call you? Um, by the, let's go 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. Are you kind of with me on this? Do you have questions or comments? 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. How do you get to the cross? Through the body and blood of Jesus. That's why it's there. Um, and that makes it to a point where we, we need a whole lot less excuse. Have you ever bickered with somebody over whether or not something was a miracle? I mean, in a way. What do you mean? And I'm not trying to be crass about it, but... Okay. Right. Mercy. It's harder to defend, though, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so I, let me say one, I agree with you, but two, I can't defend your point. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree that if there is a God in heaven who has promised to be providential, to take care of you, that this happened according to what he said ought? Miracle. But how do you prove it? This is where we, we sort of butt into things. Um, I, we can walk through the stupid things that I have done that should have killed me. It's a miracle that I'm here today. Um, I miss being paralyzed in a car crash by about four inches. Um, I, I managed to wrap a minivan around a tree, and the minivan was right, the tree was right here. And I actually wore my seatbelt like I should have, but if it was four inches forward, it would have grabbed that seat and my back and put me all kinds of weird places. Miracle. Except, how do you defend that point? See, you want to do it based on your experience. This is where mysticism falls apart. When you do it from the inside out, it's great for you until it's not, but it's of zero benefit for anyone else. Zero. And so I can sing to you about how I'm on fire for the Lord, but if you've just lost everything you own in a house fire, 
that probably doesn't actually give you comfort. But the gospel is supposed to grant us comfort. It's supposed to draw us together. And if it's just me and my God and you and your private God, and occasionally we get together because we like to share a building, I don't know that I can call that a, a shared faith. If you want to defend a miracle based on your experience, it, it ha- it's problematic, isn't it? I mean, just in, in simple in the fact that try it against somebody who doesn't believe in God. Why is communion communion? How do you know you participate in the body and blood of Jesus? It's not based on your experience anymore, is it? What's it based on? God's sure promise and word. How do you know Jesus is here for you? God said so. Not because I felt him in this room tonight. He promised. The, the bread is a participation in the body. The blood, is a, the wine is a participation in the blood. You can know. How do you know you belong to God? You want to do it by your works? You want to do it by his promise. You see where these things fall apart? Because here's the thing. I will defend you guys to the core because I actually like you. I mean, I love you guys. And so it's easy for me to say, my church is the best church of all the churches. You know why? Because I care about you. What happens when you don't care about that person anymore? All is the same person. But you think it's a whole different guy, isn't it? I mean, watch two people get together. They, they don't realize they know the same guy. One loves him, one hates him. It's hard for them to figure out they're talking about the same guy. Because one guy can do no wrong and the other guy can do no right, but for some reason they have the same last name, same first name, same DNA. What's going on? How is it that you defend your family tooth and nail, knowing full well they go against God's Ten Commandments? Love. Love and forgiveness, which is actually the point of our religion. It's not to justify their deeds. It's not to say there is no sin. It's to say Jesus covered it with his sacrifice. And that's not a bad thing to say about those you love. Wouldn't it be cool if you could say it about those you hated, though? That's where our religion shines. So how do you say it about somebody you hate? Because I know I can say it about those I love. Of course God would have mercy on them. I would even have mercy on them. How do you say it about, it has to leave my heart. Because my heart is the problem when it comes to my enemies, right? Go to somebody I hate. Jesus promised he died for them. So my heart is wrong. My heart needs to get in line with God's word. Are you kind of with me there? This is where we don't want an internal faith. We don't want a mystic faith. We want an explicit Holy Spirit through means of grace thing. You have a question? Okay. Um, so we go to where he's explicitly promised to work. Um, Do we do Romans 10, 14, and 15? Romans 10, 14, and 15. I can't remember. We did not. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. In other words, how'd y'all get here? (laughs) Somebody told you about this stuff. Yeah. Right. How are you going to believe in this unless somebody tells you? How's someone going to tell you unless they were sent to tell you? This is where the Holy Spirit works. And so we don't then put this whole thing on, on the mouth of the preacher, but the Holy Spirit is promised to speak through that mouth. In other words, it's not pastors are better than everyone else because they share the good news. It's that the Holy Spirit is promised to speak through people. And there, people would come to faith. Sent becomes the, the, the word that starts this whole ball rolling. I know I'm supposed to be here. 
called. I was sent. I know what I'm supposed to preach. It's right here. That you believe it. Well, obviously. Well, it's the Holy Spirit at work. To call, gather, enlighten, sanctify, and keep. When and where he wills. And when we start to struggle with this thing, we fall back on this word. This is how God has promised to save people, which is really annoying to us because I wish that he would do it through something that I would consider fun. I'm serious. Like, what if God had promised to save people through free candy? What if God has promised to save people through video games? What if God has promised to save people? And, and we do this to this day. Um, and, and we call them ministries. And so we will have a, um, a, um, a youth ministry that stopped being about ever sharing God's word with people who happen to be young. And we've turned it into let's play video games and only play video games. And maybe we'll, we'll just don't use profanity, guys. I love video games too, man. I love video games. I love video games too, sweetie. But the thing is, um, God's promised to save through the word. And that doesn't mean video games are bad. They, they might be. Um, but I do know that God has promised to save him through the word. And if he's promised to save him through the word, that's going to be the thing that does it. So we probably don't need to try and find another way to do it. That means that I don't need to add to it. I can sure work on roadblocks that are put up in the way by old Adam. I can sure work at explaining it better. I can sure try not to be any more boring than I have to be. I can sure work at actually maintaining peace in this building so that you're not so mad at each other that you actually can listen without fuming. But at the same time, the thing that actually works the faith is the preaching from the Holy Spirit who sends people to say what he needs them to say. Are you kind of with me on this? So if we want to talk about God, we have to start here. What's the good news? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? What's the good news? Hmm? And risen. Christ crucified and risen. Absolutely. Perfect. Can, can there be faith where Jesus crucified and risen is not preached? You can talk about God a lot without ever mentioning it, though, can't you? This is why we start with the Holy Spirit. This is why we start with the third article. Because there, there are a lot of people who say they love God. And I'm not trying to dive into their hearts and judge them. I'm absolutely not. But I'm saying that if there is a love of God, it was sparked by a Holy Spirit who was sent through means. If there is a love of God, it's a recognition that Jesus died and rose for them. And a trust in that. that that's where it, it comes from. And that doesn't mean judge their works, and that doesn't mean judge them by whether or not you like them, or, 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 or even just how eloquent they are in it. Because it's, it's not your job to say, well, since you can't recite this article of faith, you're not in. It, it's, however, a recognition that true faith actually ought to go to where Jesus has promised to be. Faith in Jesus goes to Jesus, and if Jesus has promised to be here, this is where I want to learn about him. And if I really do love him, this is where I'm going to be. It's harder for me to say, I love my wife, I love my family, and never ever go home after work. I'm serious. If it doesn't bother you that you're never around where you think he is, I don't know if that's love. So the pro either you don't think he's there, or you don't love him. And usually it's the first one. You don't think he's there. So how do we deal with that? Ooh. 
this. He's promised to be. Again, we can do this by our, our appeal to, to emotion. Um, but that always sort of deteriorates really quickly into whether or not you like or hate one of two things. You either like or hate the preaching of the particular pastor, or you like or hate the music. At least when I talk to people about this. Um, I don't know why people like to bash other pastors preaching to me. It bothers me. I hope they don't turn around and then bash my other people. <laughs> because I try real hard and I'm sensitive. Um, but, I mean, we do this. Oh, he's so boring. I, I'm not saying try to be boring. I'm, I'm saying work on your craft. But at the same time, if, if you're preaching the true word of God, thanks be to God. Because there's a lot of places where you don't get to hear that. Or we go to the music. I personally love pop rock from 15 years ago. Can I find that but without profanity? Oh, hey, found the perfect church. And screens? <laughs> Ain't wrong, honey. Um, so, rather, we go to the explicit promise. Because here's the thing. When we want to break it up by whether or not you like the music or I like the music, the music I like ain't the music you like. It's just not. Some of you maybe, but I don't know. Um, the preaching. I, I mean, I realize that I talk fast. And it's been about six years now, so most of you can probably keep up with me when I get going. But that probably bugs some folks. Folks. folks are people, groups of people. <laughs> um, so rather do it by the explicit promise. Has God promised to be in this building? Has he promised to send somebody to speak the truth? Can I actually know what that truth is? Is he here for me in body and blood? This is an awesome place to be on Sunday. Based on the promise. Don't do it to appeal to emotion because you'll, you'll lose because not everybody feels what you feel. Do it on the explicit promise, the external promise, the outside of self-promise. Right? This is how we combat the idea that you can be spiritual but not religious. To be spiritual but not religious... It is, again, I only want to look inside, not outside of myself. And that means, you're right, it feels great to be me until it doesn't. Because spirituality, as long as you're doing great, is great. My spirituality that tells me to feel good when I'm feeling good, that's great. What happens when I'm not feeling good, though? It gets harder. And eventually, you can be spiritual but not religious, and you'll still die. So the real question is, will you rise from the dead? How do you know? Again, it has to go to that outside of self-promise. Religion isn't a, um, a bad word for a whole bunch of people got together to try and make money off the masses. Religion isn't a bad word for brainwashed to not think for themselves, but just to recite. I mean, you guys are here to think right now. That's what Bible study is. How can I exercise my, my brain, my, the reason that God has given me, not superior, not not ruling over the scriptures, but subservient to the scriptures. In other words, who's smarter, you or God? So your reason is not a, cur or is not a, a bad thing. It's just a recognition that when we say um, there, there's a magisterial and ministerial use, in other words, there's a in charge and there's a serving use. Do I have a magisterial use of reason? Is my reason in charge or is my reason subservient to something? Subservient to. And so I say this is magisterial. This is in charge because God is smarter than me. In other words, um, it's good to think about this stuff. Where I don't understand it, I can recognize, good thing I'm not the be-all, end-all, because I also can't work the washing machine. So, cool. 
I can learn something. We, we again go to the outside of self. Um, can we say we love Jesus but hate his church? Say we love Jesus but don't like what organized religion stands for. You can call the sin the sin. Has organized religion sin? Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a very bad thing. If we see organized religion actively sinning, especially in our parish, should we do something about it? Yes. Should we correct it? Yes. Should we strive to, to work to, to help those who have been hurt by it? Yes. But that doesn't mean the whole thing is bad. It just means that a bunch of sinners in a room happen to sin. So why are we here? We're here because we are all sinners and we need grace given outside of self through word and sacrament. Organized religion is what God has gathered, not what people have gathered. And that's why you can't have a problem with organized religion and still love Jesus. If he's the one to call and gather, you might not like the other people there, but God put them there. So, you learn to get along with him because Jesus died for him. You learn to love him, not based on from your own heart, but from the external promise, because that's where love is, is created, an outside-of-self promise. You're right, I might have problems with, with something in my heart. So instead, I go to what God sees, says about that. I have problems with sunrise service. But my Lord is there in body and blood. So once a year for y'all, I will wake up. I will do my very, very best to string together coherent sentences to preach a sermon. I will drink a pot and a half of coffee that day, and then I will pass out as soon as lunch is over. That is my Easter. And it's glorious, because God's promised to be there. And he's risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. We do the whole thing from the outside self. Are you kind of with me on this? So we can recognize, yes, I sin, and so sometimes I have problems with people, and other people sin, and so sometimes I have problems with other people. We're all here because we want Jesus, because he has called, gathered, enlightened, and sanctified us through the Holy Spirit. This is why we start with the third article. You with me? Questions, concerns, comments? Yeah. Yeah. Am I still here by one of them or the grace of God? Yes. <laughs> so, all right, so let's go. Are, are you still here from miracles and guardian angels or the grace of God? Well, how else is God working but through means, through miracles, through angels? It, there's not one or the other. It's This might be how God works. Luther wrote, um, and so I'm going to update the language. Uh, he, he wrote, whenever a wagon wheel falls off and nobody's hurt, thank an angel. Whenever you've got a car full of kids and the car just happens to start, thank an angel. But recognize where that angel was sent from. An angel is a messenger of God. There are, there are guardian angels. They are not your dead relatives. They're resting from their labors with Christ. God's not going to finally let them out of this veil of tears and then immediately turn them around and put them back to work. They rest. God has angels to take care of it. Thanks be to God. They get to rejoice knowing, seeing those angels help you. And, and yeah, God sends them. And yeah, there are miracles. The, the real problem is the only way to see miracles is in faith. You have to have faith before you will ever see a miracle because a miracle is something God does. And if you don't believe in God, you refuse to see the hand moving it. And so, I mean, we did Moses in the Red Sea, right? All the Israelite, or the Egyptians, excuse me, who follow them on chariots. Moses rips the whole sea in half and they stare down and they don't see the miracle. They think the generals are the bigger threat right now, so they better chase the Israelites down those weird weathers, uh, the, 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 the weird weather phenomena that had happened. 
but inside of faith. I see miracles everywhere. And I don't see angels necessarily, but it doesn't mean they aren't working. I don't see Chinese people making all my stuff, but I believe that that's how it works. The means at, at play, the sticker I trust. Um, and they did, I have an iPhone. I can't put together an iPhone. Um, recognize the means that God works are not divorced from the God who works them. But recognize that the only way you're going to start to see the means is by first believing in the God. So again, we go to the third article so that we can see these things. But that's why we can't convince the, the people who don't believe that it was a miracle or an angel. Because they don't believe in the sender. So instead of just saying, I feel in my heart this was an angel, say, I believe that Christ is risen from the dead. And he's promised to work not just through his church, but to care for us in this world in the meanwhile. And he will use angels sometimes to do that. You might not see it. It doesn't mean he's not there. He's risen from the dead. He's still at work in the church, in the sacraments, where he's promised to be. So of course he's going to take care of me the rest of the place. We have to start from that same common assumption, that apostolic faith, so that we can get to the miracles. Because they're awesome. And they're true and they're real. But like I said, it's just... When there's people outside of faith, they're not going to believe the miracle until they first believe in the God doing it. Does that kind of get after it? Cool. Yeah, there are angels. There are miracles. I don't mean to take away from that for a second. It's just you've got to actually look to the God who established himself so that you can start to see him. And so even when Jesus is doing miracles, what's he also doing that people would believe? Preaching. When the apostles are doing miracles, it's not the signs that are converting people. It's the signs that are evidence that the words are true. But the words are the things that people believe. Miracles apart from preaching convert nobody, not a single person. Miracles back up preaching. But the preaching is the thing that does it. The word that God spoke at the very beginning. It said, let there be whatever it was. And there was light or fish or giraffes or any other thing. This is where God primarily works. What's cool is we get to see the after effects of it in faith. Awesome. Awesome question. Anybody else? Questions or comments here? Cool. Let's talk about the what that makes us. Um, saints. We are the saints. What is, what's a saint? A sanctified one. Uh, a holy one. That's how you get to be a saint. Not by doing a bunch of good works and skipping uh, purgatory. Um, not by... I'm not throwing rocks. It's just that that's a confession of a, a, a different denomination. Um, that not, not by sort of being popular or, or famous. By being made holy. By being made sanctified. By being baptized. Uh, Titus 3, 5 to 8. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, 
so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Not by works of righteousness, but by the washing of regeneration and renewal. Where do you get washed? Yeah, that's what baptism means. It's a washing. That's what that word translates to. Baptism is, to baptize is to wash. That's the Greek word. Um, you get made holy by that. And good things come from it. Real things come from it. You're alive now. You're, through Jesus Christ, holy, daily. And so serve one another in that. Be careful to devote yourself to good works because it helps each other. That's good. It doesn't save you. You're already saved. But recognize that, you know, God wants those people helped and saved too. Um, if we're going to be made saints, we start with baptism. Um, the struggle is always just sort of, what? Yeah, <laughs> we're sinners too. Uh, Romans 7, we know this one, right? I'm going to pick up at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do and not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. O wretched man that I am who will save me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that I will serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I will serve the law of sin. In other words, you're baptized. You're holy. Also, you're a sinner. Both. And. Not sometimes one, sometimes the other. Always one, always both. You are sinner and saint. Until you die at last and rise with Christ, you no longer be a sinner. And it won't be such murder. So the mark of Christian faith is a struggle then against sin. Here's the danger to measure Christian faith by that struggle against sin. We, we recognize if you are a Christian, there will be a struggle against sin. We do not measure our faith or anybody else's by how much they're struggling or supposedly winning or losing. Do not measure your faith by your works. Acknowledge good works must and will accompany faith. But don't measure it that way. Don't. I mean, that's even how he closes it. Even with my flesh, I will serve the law of sin, even as I serve the law of God with my mind. The thanks be to God, though, is through Jesus. So again, we're not going internally. We're not starting here. How am I doing today? How sanctified am I? How many good works have I done? How much have I prayed? How much have I loved? Don't start there. Start where Christ has promised to work and then recognize that it has a real effect so that you will struggle against sin and you'll lose a lot. I'm sorry. Your sins are forgiven you. That's the best I got until we have at last see Christ face to face. And so we can recognize if you're struggling with sin, that's actually a good sign. It's when it doesn't bother you anymore. It's when there is no more war. You're either in heaven or you're wrestling with unbelief and probably losing. If there is a struggle, that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. We just don't measure our faith by how well we are behaving or, or even by how close to God we feel. I will not measure my faith by whether or not I feel God walk with me or talk with me. 
I will do it by the explicit outside of me promise that I am his own in the waters of baptism. Because anywhere else, all I got is excuses for myself and the people I like and condemnation for the ones I don't. Right? And that's also a great joy as we see each other struggle. Because I don't have to say, I love you, but I see you doing this, and I can't even wonder, I, I just got to wonder, are you even really a Christian anymore? And so we go back to the outside of self-promise. Are they baptized? Oh, cool, so God's working right there. Are they hearing the word? Oh, thanks be to God, that thing does stuff. That's how you got here. And so in the same way that he calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies, keeps me, he also calls, gathers, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. The mark of faith is with Jesus Christ. Where is he promised to be? Go there. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives not just all my sins, but the sins of all believers. So finally on the last day, I'll rise with him and all the dead and live eternally with him and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Um, so, so we go there. Um, kind of with me there? Questions or comments? What? Comments are for grown-ups. Uh, <laughs> so then when we talk about the church, how do we measure the, the true church? How do we know we're in it? What? And the? Administered rightly. That's the Augsburg Confession. Well done. Article 5. It is enough to mark the church that the word of God is taught in its truth and purity and the sacraments are administered rightly. That's what marks the church. We don't measure it by how many people are there, which is hard for us because, again, I want to go to that in-my-heart thing. And I'm very guilty of it. Like, I get to, um, one of the really cool things that I get to do um, is I get to go and teach a whole bunch of kids every once in a while. Um, and so, like, in the summer, they'll, they'll send me out somewhere to hire things. Um, and and I'll, I'll drag my kids along. And is it, you get kind of the tingly sometimes when we, we get to sing in your favorite hymn out there? I do. Like, I'm not afraid to admit it. And then um, before Windside is always Carol at 8 o'clock. And, like, there there might be 20 of us, maybe, sometimes 12 of us on a bad day. Um, It's hard to go from 800 to 12 because then I hear my own voice and I realize I'm off pitch. And so the devil would say, is that really the church? And my Lord would say, most certainly true. Yes, it is the church. Because in Carol, the word is taught in its truth and purity. The sacraments are administered rightly. And so, whether or not there be a million or two, it is the church. When I drag my backpack with, with my, all my communion stuff and I set it up at the table in the hospital, is it the church? Same church. We mark it that way. Because when we want to start doing it by how much money or how much people, the only thing we're measuring are the places where God has never promised to be. When we go to where he's explicitly promised to be, it's, if you got 800, thanks be to God. If you got 12, thanks be to God. We don't measure it by the size or the people um, because at the end of the day, um, if we measure it by how many people believe in him, God is no more than Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell needs you to believe in her or she can't fly. Whether there be you alone and nobody else faithful on the whole earth or not, Christ is still risen from the dead. Go to where he's promised to be.
rejoice that there'd be anybody else there with you. In the same way, don't measure it on, on our behavior. Because when you measure it on the behavior of the Christian, and there's, there can't be a religion because all Christians are sinners. That's literally like saying there's no such thing as football because I'm bad at it. Like you realize that, right? There's no such thing as football, guys. Otherwise, I would be able to toss the ball 70 yards. That's what you say when there's no such thing as God because you're a sinner. Really? No. It's just God is bigger than me. Of course I'm not God. That's why I'm at the church. Because if I was God, it would be my church and not his church. So I want to go where he has promised to be to forgive me for my sins. The marks of the church are the word and the sacraments. Um... And there, we can actually start to talk about who Jesus is. There, we can start to talk about the Father who art in heaven, who is, is a loving God, a creator who is actually provident in his creation, because we don't mark punishment the same way anymore. We don't say, if I have lots of money, God loves me, and if you don't, it's because he hates you. We say, God is at work in ways I don't always understand, but I don't, when I was two, I didn't always understand the way my dad worked. I imagine the difference is probably exponentially bigger with the God who is all-knowing and creator of heaven and earth. So rather, let's go to his promise. Has he promised to care for me and on the last day raise me up? Whatever's here and there, even the dumb stuff that I do, even the stuff that he doesn't want, he will work with and he will work for good for your salvation. That's the kind of father in heaven I can talk about, but I gotta, I gotta have an explicit outside of self promise before I can start to do it. So you want to do the creed. You want to... Do the, the witness stuff. Good. But start where God has actually promised something that you have to, a leg to stand on. Because if your personal testimony starts on your works, I used to do drugs and now I don't. Or if your personal testimony starts on your, your seeing a miracle nobody else saw, it, it's not going to work. Start where God has promised to be. And then when that has been established, you can say, that God, that risen from the dead God, he did this stuff for me too. And cool. Awesome. That, that God, that risen from the dead God, he, he, he's, he's even working to, to forgive us and join us together. Um, and so that, that thing then that, that will sustain the church and grow the church and, and build the church and keep the church and sanctify the church, all that third article stuff, well, it's the Holy Spirit. And there we have a degree of certainty and, and peace. Are you with me? Questions or comments there? Yeah, Zoe? I love, you. I love you. Should we pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you all for your time.